and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things. This time for the Business Week ended 20th August 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This week, senior level changes at Lilly, mRNA COVID vaccines and booster shots, GSK and Sanofi deal with a changed vaccines landscape, look ahead at new drugs for hematological malignancies, and a huge fundraising in China for an mRNA specialist. Eli Lilly has seen its fair share of leadership changes during the past few years as key executives retired or business strategies shifted, and both factors were at play in the company's latest round of musical chairs announced on 17th of August. Perhaps most notably, Lilly Oncology President Anne White will become president of Lilly Neuroscience when the company breaks out its neuroscience and pain franchises from Lilly Biomedicines, effective 5th September. Mandy Daxon writes that Lilly is separating neuroscience from its immunology portfolio ahead of the potential near-term launch of Alzheimer's disease treatment Donanimab. The company said in June that it would file for FDA approval of its amyloid clearing biologic before the end of this year based on encouraging phase 2 results reported at the start of 2021. White has spent most of her professional life at Lilly in various R&D as well as commercial roles. She has shepherded drugs through R&D pipelines for a wide range of diseases, including oncology, neuroscience and infectious diseases. In addition to Donanimab, Lilly Neuroscience will be home to the migraine prevention biologic Emgality and acute migraine pill Ravao. The two drug franchise has struggled to reach blockbuster sales levels despite the unmet need. Lilly named White to the top spot at Lilly Oncology in 2018, more than a year before the drug maker announced plans to create a new oncology R&D group called Loxo Oncology at Lilly to build and oversee the company's pipeline of internally and externally sourced cancer drug candidates. The Loxo group took its name and its leadership team from Loxo Oncology, which Lilly acquired for $8 billion in 2018, expecting it to bring the entrepreneurial spirit of a small biotech firm to the big pharma's cancer drug R&D efforts. Successful programs would be passed on to Lilly Oncology as those assets neared commercialization. Going forward, Loxo Oncology at Lilly CEO Jacob van Naden will retain that role and become president of Lilly Oncology with the aim of unifying the two groups. Van Naden, who will also join Lilly's executive committee, will oversee an oncology R&D pipeline and commercial portfolio that has exceeded expectations since the company created Loxo Oncology at Lilly, White told Scrip earlier this year, with new product launches and several highly anticipated new drugs. While the commercial position of Pfizer, BioNTechs and Moderna's COVID-19 vaccines would strengthen if it is recommended that people who receive the initial two-dose series of BNT162B2 or mRNA1273 get boosters, the US FDA's expansion of the vaccine's emergency use authorizations to include third shots for certain vulnerable people accounts for only a very small number of patients. But as variants of concern continue spreading, Moderna may have an upper hand, with data showing strong efficacy against the Delta strain, though those results come with certain caveats. Alaric Diamant reports that the FDA said late on 12th August that it amended the EUAs for the two vaccines to allow for additional doses in certain immunocompromised people, while the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices met on 13th August to discuss further clinical recommendations. 
With the spread of vaccine-resistant variants, there is a growing consensus that everyone eventually will need a third shot, though when that would become available is still unclear. Moderna noted that a double-blind study of 120 people who had undergone organ transplants showed that a third dose of mRNA-1273 improved immune response compared with placebo and was generally well-tolerated. Pfizer also said in its second-quarter earnings on 28 July that a third dose of BNT162b2 administered six months after the second dose provided strong efficacy against the beta and delta variants, along with the wild-type strain of SARS-CoV-2. Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna anticipate receiving full FDA approval for their vaccines by early 2022, which could help address some of the vaccine hesitancy that has plagued vaccination efforts in the US. Before SARS-CoV-2 struck, GlaxoSmithKline and Sanofi were the world's two biggest vaccine manufacturers, thanks to their presence across multiple infectious diseases, including flu. But the astonishing success of BioNTech Pfizer and Moderna's mRNA-based COVID-19 jabs has appended that old order. Pfizer-BioNTech expect to supply up to 3 billion doses of their COVID vaccine in 2021, and Moderna close to 1 billion doses, with Pfizer expecting to earn a record-breaking $33.5 billion from the shots this year alone, many times bigger than GSK's non-COVID vaccines business. Andrew McConaughey writes that the mRNA vaccine success also stands in stark contrast with the disappointment surrounding Sanofi GSK's COVID-19 vaccine. Using Sanofi's recombinant protein-based platform in combination with GSK's adjuvant, it failed to produce a sufficiently strong immune response. While it's now in phase 3 trials with a readout expected in Q4, the candidate nevertheless looks destined to be an also-ran among COVID-19 vaccines. Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna now see the chance to build on this success and disrupt many other vaccine markets with mRNA. Sanofi and GSK have woken up to the threat and opportunity posed by mRNA vaccines and have both made significant recent moves to catch up in the field. On the 6th August, Sanofi announced that it was spending $3.2 billion on acquiring Translate Bio, a US mRNA vaccines company it has been collaborating with since 2018 and which has a COVID-19 vaccine in Phase 1-2, with results expected in Q3, plus an mRNA-based seasonal influenza vaccine in Phase 1. Sanofi has also committed to creating its own in-house vaccines mRNA centre of excellence to advance expertise across sites in the US and France, and has said it is committed to bringing a minimum of six non-COVID mRNA candidates into clinical development by 2025. GSK, meanwhile, expanded an alliance with CureVac this February to focus on next-generation SARS-CoV-2 targeting jabs, and the partners announced on 16th August promising preclinical results from their second-generation candidate, named CV2-COV. The partners plan to launch a Phase 1 trial in Q4 of 2021. Roger Connor, GSK's head of vaccines, said recently that despite the great potential of mRNA vaccines, he was not worried about the technology disrupting most of its existing products, although mRNA is seen as a major opportunity for the future and one that GSK was investing in significantly. He noted mRNA vaccines will not work against some pathogens, such as meningitis or DTP, and that many of GSK's established vaccines already have an efficacy of more than 90%.
In a new series of articles, Scrip takes a look at some of the key novel products expected to reach the market in 2022 in a cross-section of therapy areas. This time, with input from Biomedtracker, Alex Shimmings looks at 12 new drugs for hematological malignancies which may be launched for the first time next year. Among these are Eritex Eriaspas, which the French firm is looking to submit to the US FDA in the fourth quarter for hypersensitive acute lymphoblastic leukaemia. This represents a turnaround for the company, which had originally filed the product for ALL in the EU before pulling this submission three years ago, after deciding that solid tumours, particularly pancreatic cancer, represented the best way forward. Progress in pancreatic cancer is still on track, and this indication remains the primary focus for the product. Eriaspase has shown promising signs of activity as a second-line treatment in pancreatic cancer, an area of significant need, and could reach the market by 2022. Cell plans to initiate a rolling biologic license application to the US FDA in the fourth quarter for its advanced cell therapy, Omijubicell, for use in allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplants for patients with hematologic malignancies. In a pivotal phase three trial, Omidubicel achieved the primary endpoint of a reduction in the time to neutrophil engraftment from 22 days for untreated UCB to 12 days with treatment. Some other of the 12 products examined in the forward-looking piece include TG Therapeutics TG1303, Novartis' Asiminib and DeNovo's Enzastaurin. Finally, barely one month after it initiated a final stage clinical study, The developer of China's first domestically developed mRNA COVID-19 vaccine has been showered with new cash. Private bioventure Abagen, founded just over two years ago, has closed a huge Series C funding exceeding $700 million, making it one of the best-funded early-stage companies globally given its short period of existence. The financing round, led by Singapore's Temasek, Invesco Developing Markets Fund, Lily Asia Ventures and others, plus a long list of other returning and new investors, comes hot on the heels of a Series B financing in April, when Abigen obtained about $92.5 million. Many see the influx of hot money as reflecting a determination to develop and belief in an effective domestically developed mRNA vaccine to fight the coronavirus pandemic in China. Founded by Yingbo, a former scientist at Moderna, Abigen will use the new funds towards a global phase 3 study of its mRNA COVID-19 vaccine ARCOV. The placebo-controlled trial in a target 2,000 patients will evaluate protective efficacy, safety and immunogenicity in people aged 18 and older and is expected to be completed in November. Other than this trial, Abigen has already partnered with major Chinese vaccines developer Walvax Biotechnology, and has also signed on the China Academy of Military Medical Science as a partner. Valvax on 11th May licensed the rights to develop and commercialise in China Abigen's mRNA vaccine and another mRNA-based shingles vaccine and has invested in a manufacturing site in Yuxi capable of producing 120 million doses of mRNA vaccines annually. Abigen's ARCOV is not the first mRNA vaccine for COVID-19 to progress in China, as Shanghai Fosun Pharmaceutical has already submitted its candidate, which is licensed from BioNTech, for approval. Some see the final approval coming at around the same time as a clearance for Abigen's vaccine, given potentially enormous demand in China 
if they are indeed to be used to boost protection for people already inoculated with China's domestically developed inactivated virus-based vaccines, which have reported relatively low protective efficacy. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. Links to all these stories in full are given in the article accompanying this podcast. And if you're not yet a subscriber, do look at taking a free trial to see what you're missing. Also, if you do have any feedback on these podcasts or suggested topics or format, do contact me at ian.haydock at informer.com. Bye for now.